Season three of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Jav. Joining me this week, Bex is back for the first time this year. Hello. And um, stepping in at very short notice, um, we were supposed to have the Spurs poet on, but um, he's not available to join us. So Greg Taylor from Brazil joins us. Boataji to the mundo. Right, let's begin with um, Man City. Um, I'm just going to dive straight into a whole load of questions that we've had around the game. Um, John Steggles, friend of the show, asks, how the fuck did we get anything from from that game? Were we bad or City very good today? Um, first half, City were exceptional for him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, you have to... A lot of people don't want to, but you have to give City credit where it's due. They did play really well. They, I wondered last time out whether they would be a, a wounded beast, and they were. Um, I mean, they just came at us right from the gate. Not as, they didn't give us any space to breathe. Um, we knew they could do that anyway. But that loss to Everton, that was an anomaly, wasn't it, really? I mean, that kind of shouldn't, in inverted commas, have happened. They're, they are better than that. So, yeah, I, 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 I disagree with people who are saying we were rubbish. We weren't rubbish. We were a bit shell-shocked, I think, at the way they came at us first half. But then we fought like, tig- like Tigers after that to come back. After being 2-0 down. We didn't play the way we have done recently. I'm going to go back to Romania because we won all of the games when I was out there. So maybe that was the trick. But it didn't... It, there was. The play wasn't right. The players didn't look right. I don't know whether City uh, looked at us and deliberately set out to unsettle us, but everything just seemed wrong. Nothing seemed to fit. That first half, I know they were good. I'm not taking anything away from them. Well, good-ish. They put us under some pressure and the rest of the mistakes we seemed to make for ourselves. But it just wasn't Spurs. This was like watching old Spurs. Disorganised, chaotic. Nobody looked comfortable. We had misplaced passes going everywhere. And I sat at half-time and I was like, do we need to create a missing poster? Because my whole team with their lovely football appears to have gone walkabout. It felt like, I'll tell you what it felt like. Um, some of the Champions League matches at Wembley, it felt a bit like that. We just felt a bit disjointed at times. Um, I think in the league, I don't care what anybody says, I think in, in the league generally we, we've been good overall this season. Um You've got to be able to differentiate between our Champions League form and our league form. And I think the league form has been good. The only match where I thought that we looked a bit poor, possibly, was United away. I felt that one, particularly in the final third, we again we looked a bit disjointed. And and at times yesterday, I felt that collectively we weren't at our best. I thought Wanyama was probably the best player. Um, but I don't think anybody was outstanding. But you've also got to give credit to Man City. I think they... They had a game plan. Um, they uh, Poch, um, Pep Guardiola, Pep, Pep 
certainly respects Mauricio as a coach and our team, and that, that's telling in his comments after the game. But in the amount of work that they've no doubt put in to, to, to combat us, um, we, if you cast your mind back to October, they'd won, what, seven matches on the spin? And effectively, we were the team that um, knocked the win out of sales, and they, they've never been the same team since. And and I think yesterday we might, funny enough, in the way that we came back and ended up drawing the the game, and they got they didn't get the full three points. I think that's gonna that's arguably going to be in some ways more of a blow to them than than losing. 4-0 to, to Man City. Um, I thought they, they, they did a really good job. They certainly countered us, and the way they had the full-backs, our full-backs, Rose and Walker, penned in, um, I thought that it made us difficult to play our, our game. Um, and I, frankly, first half, yeah, they were, as John says, I think they were exceptional, and they were the better team. And I remember about 15 or 20 minutes into the match, turning round um, to... Uh, a guy who um, stood next to me, um, who, who was from Staffordshire, who's a Spurs fan, and um, just saying, I, I, I really hope that the half-time whistle comes now, um, because if we go in nil-nil at half-time, I think we'll, we'll do well. Um, when we went 2-0 we down, I thought we'd lost it. I seriously thought we'd lost it. I didn't want to, but I was kind of resigned to having lost it, and when Deli Ali got that header, I, I literally threw myself around the room. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it gave us, certainly Ali's goal, um, it gave us that little um, lift that we needed. And, and once that went in, um, I did feel that we could could sneak uh, our way back in, into the match. And, and, and we did, um, even at one point when, when, when we got the second, we had a bit of momentum and arguably we could have got a third. But I think... As it was, probably a point was a fair result. I think if if we'd come away with three points, it would have been a little bit harsh on City. Um, I, look, before the match, I don't know how you feel, but before the match, I I would have I, going into that game, I, I expected us to win, um, and and a point for me would have been would have been a disappointing result, but. Based on the way we played and the way City played, I think to come back from two 0 down, it felt it felt in many ways it felt like a win, and and um, I think they're going to be, you know, it's a missed opportunity for them. They they're still three points behind us. Um, they look a mess, really, frankly, and for us to come away with with something from being two 0 down is is it, it speaks more about us than than it does them. I think that I can't. Yeah, see absolutely. That. I think it really does because. At two 0 down, most fans would have given it, and a number of di- fans did say, "That's it. I'm not watching this anymore." Because we were really bad, comparatively, maybe. But looking at the way City were organised, they were pressing. They always looked more threatening than we were, and they always looked like they were going to get more out of it. But yet, we still did it. We still came back. It was and definitely there was, a point there was yeah. I, but they will see it. They definitely saw it as two points dropped. For them, yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Um, so Jake um, a guy called Jake M GK his Twitter handle is at GK Jake M says not a question just thinking of a way to give Lloris credit for being a legend while still acknowledging that he fucked up big time today Lloris goes on to say quote Lloris clangers are like 
city buses, you wait for one and two come along at once. Is that a bit harsh or...? Well, he, it was very uncharacteristic, but to be honest, he did make at least three other saves, which could have been goals, so he, he saved us from a defeat anyway, even in this game. Uh -huh. He did, he made some great saves, but those aren't what people will remember. The problem people is will remember the goals. Yeah, the problem is for a goalkeeper, when they make a mistake, it's yeah. very obvious and not easily forgettable. When somebody outfield makes a mistake, um, yeah. you spot it at the time, but a lot of the time, it, it you know, you, you, you forget about it after a while. But, but this will get spoken about erroneously, really. It shouldn't be. It will get well, spoken about. To be fair, he so. had one job. His yeah. one job yeah. is to stop the ball going in the back of the net, which he failed to do. Mm. on two occasions yesterday despite and let's i am aware of the fact that he made a good three or four saves that were fantastic but that's not what people will remember remember because that's not the way people work is it people will only remember the bad things to um, be honest that that first one was was pretty bravo-esque it was the kind of thing you expect bravo to do up the other end <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting you should say about Bravo. So, so two things. One, just before the game, I heard that, um, in fact, it was it was at the Etihad, um, the, on, on the Tannoy, um, there, there was a, a comment about um, about the fact that Lloris has shipped in a lot of goals against City over the years, and particularly at, at the Etihad. Now, part of that was that the six goals he conceded um under AVB. Uh, under under AVB. So that, that, that's, that's a little bit exaggerated. The other thing about Bravo is, um, on the train up to Manchester, I was, I was reading in the Telegraph, and there was um, a piece that Ryan Giggs had done, and it was all about various things, but it was picking holes um, at the Man City team, and, 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 and the fact that he said, look, they're... Um, I feel, so we've got, as we all know, we've got the youngest team, average age of our t team is 25 years and... X amount of days um, it's, it's the youngest and City you've got one of the oldest now he went through their players he went through Zavaleta Kolarov Torre um, some other prick and he said look you can you can make individual cases for each one but when you start to look at them collectively then you've got a problem and it then it does feel as though actually you know that they've got an old an old, an old squad so that was that was one of the many criticisms he had of, of Man City but with respect to Bravo he said that made a valuable point, which is this: He said, "Look, all the all the title-winning teams, they have really good goalkeepers over the years. If you go back, I don't know, thirty odd years ago, almost forty years ago, um, Nottingham Forest they had Peter Shilton. Um, if you look at uh, Darrow Whisperit, Arsenal, David Seaman, United, Schmeichel, Van der Sar, um, Chelsea, Petr Cech." Um, and the, he said that something like goalkeepers, I don't know, earn you something like nine or ten points over the course of a season. It's very difficult to quantify that or sort of um, qualify that, but it, it's probably true. And the point he made about Bravo is he'll, he'll lose you points. And, and that's why I don't think Ch um, City will, will, will win the league. And I think Lloris is, tr is true that he does make, every now and then, like most goalkeepers, frankly... Um, there are very few. There are always a bit bonkers. He, he does make the odd howler. That's not um, that that does happen. But 
but by and large he's a good goalkeeper and he makes some fantastic saves so I think if you look at the bigger picture you know he made some crucial saves against Chelsea um, back on the 4th of Jan and um, I think our progress in the league a lot of it will be down to those saves it will be less about the, the goals that he conceded um, yesterday although I'm sure as you say Bex everybody will be talking about that yeah they absolutely will because that's what people do interestingly the commentary yesterday on BT Sport apart from the fact that Steve McManaman couldn't have been any more biased if he tried and the other geezer not huddled they had some other bloke as well chatting on who also spoke shite um he, they were talking about Bravo and they said, well, you know, he's got all these medals and yada yada, he's done really well. But pointed out that at Barcelona, the keeper isn't really needed. He's not, he doesn't have that same necessity to be a great keeper because he's got such a great team in front of him. Mm. But it, it, it's a different league there and, and yeah, you, you might get away, away with that in... In, in, in the Spanish league, but I think it's, 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 it's historically it's, it's always been the case that you need a, a good goalkeeper um, in the top flight. Um, Richard Healy, what will that do for Vimmer's confidence? Brought, brought in only to be hauled off at half time, um, and then he says defensive lineup for the next Premier League match. I, I don't think it will do any harm to Vimmer's confidence because if Davis had been brought on for him, then maybe. But this was a tactical substitution. You know, Son came on. He's certainly not a defender. Um, so, Bimmer wasn't wasn't replaced because he was playing crap. It was just a necessity. And he'll know that. Um, regarding the next Premier match, is it is it Borough, Middlesbrough, the next Premier it's, match? It's Sunderland on a Tuesday night. We do have an FA Cup t- tie before that against Wickham. So. Yeah. Okay, well, if it's Sunderland, you know, they're not Man City. So I wouldn't be surprised if he go back to three at the back and and pummel them, to be honest. We should do, because that three at the back that's worked so well over the last however many matches, mm. what, since the West Ham game? So late, well, mid-November. So that's worked really well for us. OK, there was a glitch and it potched and the, the players changed it yesterday. When they realised it wasn't working, when City were getting around them and the first... 10-15 minutes I think we took a lot of pressure and then they changed the system so yeah. it shows that the, the, the players are smart enough to realise when something isn't working and the potch is happy to change things it, it would have been far more damning if for example he'd taken off um, Vimmer and brought on Carter Vickers um, yeah. it, it wasn't yeah. that, that, that's not what he did he, 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 t- he brought on Sun to, to change um to to, 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 to uh, you know, bring us a new new dimension going forward and 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 to trouble City and I think Sam I know he gets a lot of stick um, and he and he is one of those players that, that 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 can blow hot and cold but I thought that when he came on in the second half he gave us something different he linked up well with Deli Ali um, and Rose on the left hand side there was a lot of good movement there um, also I suspect the Vimmer will play both both in the FA Cup tie against Wickham and against Sunderland and on paper both of those games should be fairly easy and I think we just need a few matches like that for Vimmer just to slot back into the team even if you go back to last season I'm pretty sure that although he played very well in in the Tongan's absence I'm 
I've got a feeling the first maybe one or two matches when he had to come in, he was a little bit shaky. So it, it's going to take him time to form a partnership and an and a understanding, whether it's with in a back three or, or um, if we go with a back four. Yeah. Yeah, and it, they're still big shoes to fill, aren't they? The Tonga's boots are massive to fill. So if Vimma felt under a little bit of pressure, and that was, again, yesterday was a huge game to have for that situation to arise. Hmm. And like you say, he's not played many games. So, yeah, I, I think he's smart enough to realise that if he wasn't playing well or if, the, if Poch wanted to change the system, there was a decent, sensible reason behind it. And I'm sure Poch wouldn't have said, by the way, you're playing shit. Get off. He would have phrased it slightly more tactfully so Vimmer's confidence won't be damaged for future games. Yep. Big shoes and a massive cock. Um, Stop. Well, that's what the song says. Um, right. Yeah, all right. Uh, Greg, you, you made a point um, about Pep's... Pep's... Ugh, Pep's... Get there in the end. Tactics yesterday um, being solely aimed at nullifying Spurs. Or was, was there maybe an element of protecting Bravo too? Um, he knows his goalke- goalkeeper is performing poorly and the best way to protect him was to attack us like demons and keep the ball up our end. Yeah, I, I think they might, I, I mean, I don't think that was the reason for the for his tactics, but I think it may well have been an element of it because, um, I mean, Bravo has been playing shit recently, hasn't he? And... He didn't want to put in another goalkeeper, so he had to think, OK, what's the best way to protect him? Not even our our defence is that fantastic at the moment, So, but we got a great attack. Let, let's go for it. Let's go for it. And by keeping us, us busy, he kind of um, made us a bit impotent, to be quite honest. <laughs> it meant that we weren't peppering Bravo with, uh, with shots and, uh, and risking scoring. How much, before I bring you into it, into it Bex, how much do you think, um, we were, obviously Lamella's still not available, how much do you think we were missing him yesterday in so far as, particularly if you look at the first match when we played them at the lane, um, we we pressed them and, and particularly Bravo and, and Lamella was, was one of the one of the top performers on th- that yeah. day and that's something that he's very good at. I mean, I, I can't but help think that if he'd been there yesterday, it would have been a big help. I'm not saying that, that the result would have been any different, um, but I wonder whether it would have made it made some sort of difference. Okay, so you don't ever... There's no point asking a Lamella fan not to, to give you a rationale as to why he shouldn't be playing there. I've already said I'd be quite happy to have him in a glass cabinet so I could admire him and stroke him every now and again. And I think we've really missed him since he's been out. So I'm not saying he would have saved the day yesterday mm. by any stretch of the imagination, but he would have given us more option. He is an absolute fucking terrier. And if he thinks that ball is his, if he wants it, he just carries on every single time. He just pushes and pushes and pushes. And I think we've missed him for many games, not just yesterday. I totally agree with you, Bex. <laughs> wow, there's a surprise, <laughs> Greg. <laughs> I mean, this has come up quite a lot in the international group and people have said... You know, are we missing Lamella and, and things like that? Um, I think we're coping well without it. And I don't think he'll, he'd walk straight back in the team. But we need him as an option, especially yesterday. He's got a good history against Man City. And he does have a very good hat-trick, you know, against Man City. Yeah. But 
thing is, as a team, you can't just put it all on the... Well, you know, this player would have been really useful. We've got to cope whomever is fit and whoever is available and whoever's in form. Yeah, because, I mean, if Lamella's on... Even if he's on the bench, you can see how the game's going. I think, Christ, I need somebody to nip at their ankles and to, to not give them any space at all. Let's bring on Lamella. You know, there might be situations when that happens. There were situations when it, when it isn't that, like that and you think, well... There's no point in bringing Lamella on because they're doing okay at the moment without him, you know. I am a Lamella fan, but I'm a realist. Yeah, but I still think we have missed him for lots of reasons. It's a question from David Fornell. So our plan B was countered yesterday. Poch quickly re resorted to plan A. Does the panel consider that Poch made the right call? And is plan B now our plan A? And... It um, and do we have um, a plan C in place? So I, go on. I was just to say, I, I think that it, it, it's become, I don't know, fashionable, lazy over the years for football fans to say, pundits even say, that um, a particular team plays in a particular way and they've got no other plan. They've got no plan B. The thing is, it's not as... Um, it's not as simple as just having a plan A and a plan B. You've got to have you've got to have lots of different plans to be able to deal with different situations, different teams, different situations within a within a match. Because you could play one team and then um, you know you could end up with ten men, or you could end up playing against ten men, or, or 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 you might set out to play a particular way and then concede a goal very early on. So it, it, you've got to be able to evolve and adapt. So it's not so much as having a plan A and a plan B. I think what Pochettino has shown over the course of this season is that if there were any question marks in the past, he's shown that, well, firstly, in terms of formations, we've, we've played the 4-2-3-1 four, four, that we did last season. I think at one point this season we had a 4-5-1. Um, we've played with different striker combinations up front, so I think at one point it might have been Everton um, at the start of the season. We didn't start with this, but we had Janssen and Kane together and played with sort of diamond. Um, we're playing with the, with a back three now and wing back. So he's tried different for he's played different formations um, depending on the opposition. He's altered things in the middle of the game like like he did yesterday. Um, so he's he's savvy enough to um, to change things when when he needs to. So I I think he's got multiple options in front of him and. And yesterday he, he, he illustrated that perfectly, not just by go, bringing on Son and going to a back four. Even later on, when he had to take um, Toby off, which as far as I know, I understand that's just uh, he had a tight hamstring and it was more pr pr precautionary. Um, he could have bought on um, he could have bought on Carter Vickers. Instead, he dropped Wanyama at the back. So he had Wanyama and Dyer at the back, two players who certainly Wanyama normally plays in midfield. So we, we lost that bite in midfield, but then he brought on Winks with um, alongside Dembele, and Winks is very good at retaining the ball, keeping the ball, um, passing it, getting just just moving it forward. Um, in many ways, s similar to Dembele, but he's a little bit more dynamic. He doesn't hold on to the ball that long. He's always looking to pass it quickly. So that in itself, for example, it, it is is an example of, of Pochettino having. Um, 
different options available and, and executing them. I agree 100% with you, actually, Javid. Um, I would say that we have a plan X, and that plan X is whatever plan the opposition warrants. Yeah. Just as you said, you know, you, you, you do what's necessary at the time. Because you have to react. You can't just yeah. say, we're going to play like this and we're going to play like this. It doesn't matter what they do. You need to, it's a reactive game. You have to be able to say, okay, stop, this isn't working. Klopp sent a note onto the pitch the other week to change his team. So it's not, Poch isn't alone in this. This ability to look at a game, analyse it and say, okay, this isn't working, but why don't we move that player there and that player there and then see how that works? Because we've done it before in training. Yeah. And I think any football manager worth his money has to have that flexibility in his back pocket. Um, right, another question from John Steggles. Given that I could list a litany of mistakes and blatant refereeing fuck-ups that have cost us dearly, how do the panel feel about the shove? Rebecca. Who cares? This is the revenge for the Balotelli stamp on the head, isn't it, for Scott Parker? So, fuck off, City fans, that you're getting no sympathy from me. And I think Walker did absolutely the right thing. He did that knowing the consequences. He did that knowing the consequence was if he was caught, if that was seen by the referee, then he'd have gone off and they'd have got a penalty. And he- so I think bravo for that, for just going, you know what, I'm going to fucking do it anyway. So, yep, it's all good with me and I've got no sympathy for City. And he pretty much, much admitted as much on, on match of the day afterwards. He said, look, he, he knew he wasn't going to get there, so he was going to try something to, to, to put him off. And and it, it worked and he wasn't penalised. So we moved and on. And I still don't care. it's it's just one event that a referee has missed well we've all been on the end of those every team has it doesn't matter how much you bleat about it potentially the FA might decide to take some retrospective action that's just that's another story we'll have to wait and see how that develops but seriously it's the way the season goes referees aren't infallible they're not omniscient they don't see everything we all know they miss stuff so chalk it up to experience and move on Greg well, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I mean, I, I don't remember matches with an encyclopedic, encyclopedic memory like, like you can, Jab. But um, there was a, a while ago, there was a, a goal that Man City scored against us when Lampard was in an offside position, unsighting Lawrence, and he jumped over the ball when I think Aguero shot, and they scored a goal, and it was, it was let, let go. So... I, I, I honestly don't care. These these things happen, you know. Okay, this time we we were lucky and um, the the shove wasn't penalised, but it's happened to us enough times. I mean, I, I'm still I'm still fuming about Vertonghen's um, goal that wasn't allowed against Sunderland. You know, when Paulinho <laughs> Paulinho passed the ball forward and and Jan was still in our half and he went onto the ball and he took a long shot and got the goal. I'm still totally pissed off about that. You know, so. Sod it. It, it, you know, as as Beck said, stop worrying about it. Don't, stop squinnying. As things go, if it um, go, whether that's for or against us, it's, it, I've seen a lot worse in in football. Um, what bothers me is the standard of ref- refereeing. And Andrew Mariner um, is is a shite referee, and um, along with Bobby Madley and various others this season. Um, just absolute utter utter shy, and I know, and I don't like slagging off referees because I think they, you know, not I don't think that they they have an important job to do, and it's not helpful when managers give them stick and um, 
and that sort of thing. But uh, the, 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 the level of refereeing this season has been shocking. Um, one thing to note, though, um, watching I was watching matches today this morning because so I got back really late last night um, from Manchester. And Pochettino, um, not that I'm surprised, but um, his post-match interview, he, he just said, look, we... Um, he referred to. I think there was there was an incident earlier in the match. He said, "Look, I, I we that Mariner should have. I can't remember what it was, what whatever decision it was, but but he gave it against us." And Mauricio said, "Look, I'm not going to complain about that anymore. So I'm not going to complain about or, or that the um, decision that that um, City felt was harsh. So um, it's a big contrast to the way other managers." tend to berate officials and complain and even fans you know I'm sat there every week just spitting hairs out and just getting really angry at the referees and I, but whereas Maurizio he's just completely dignified and never never complains um, credit to him um, David Phipps um, we will move on from City in a minute David Phipps a lot of talk about Walker on Sterling with the laying on a hand the laying on off a hand, but I have looked and I thought Sterling and another were offside when the ball was played. It might be me being slightly biased, but then again, it's about time we got a bit of luck. Yep, agree with that. Um, question, another question from John Steggles. Um, a lot was said when when a team came from four down to Bournemouth. True sign of, of a team fighting for the league, they said. Um, was it three down? I can't remember. After grift, after gifting them two goals and playing ourselves back into a game, we were dead and buried. Can the same be said of Spurs? Definitely. Yeah. Once upon a time, we would have crumbled. Um, on Friday on ESPN Brazil, there was a, a mini documentary, um, which was like, I suppose it was like a warm up to the match because it was, you know, they know it's a big match over here. And that they showed a, they showed the highlights of a match, uh, which if I'd realised what match it was, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Uh, they showed the home match at White Hart Lane from 28th of August 2011, where we lost 5-1. Now that team had um, it had Zabaleta, Clichy, Silva, Yaya Torre, and Aguero in it. You know who were playing yesterday. As we said earlier, they're, they're getting a bit older, but they're still bloody good players. Um, the only current player we had in that match was Walker, who was an unused sub. But we did have Bale, Van der Vaart and Modric. And we got our asses handed to us. Um, that didn't happen yesterday. We, we've got much more grip now, much more resistance, much more determination. We don't, we don't go a goal or two down and hang our heads now. We think, sod it, we're going to fight back. And yeah, yesterday it worked. So yeah, I, I, I would say that, you know, Definitely, we 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 we're, we're so much better. We can. We're, maybe we're not fighting for the title this season, but we're fighting for second place, and I think we've got a bloody good chance of getting it. Agreed. Uh, I think that that a different side of us. Um, was shown yesterday the fact that we can we can fight back and and I think that they are important qualities um, and come the end of the season 
um, that might be a valuable point earned, hopefully, than than, than two dropped. Um, okay, let, let's move it on. Just one final thing. Ed Brad, a statement rather than a question. We are now unbeaten in seven, but more importantly, we have won six. Hence my own personal frustration at the start of the season when we were unbeaten but not winning. Rant over, he says. Um, looking at the results yesterday, um, we particularly with Liverpool losing, so we're a point ahead of them, which is good. Um, same points difference between City, who drew, and um, United, who, who drew their match. The only unfortunate thing is now we've slipped a third in the table because Arsenal have won, but we're still only a point behind them, so that's nothing at this stage. Um, should Chelsea win at home to Hull, which you would imagine on paper they will, then they will go nine points clear of us, which with 16 games left, uh, it's doable to overturn that, but there is little really room for error going forward. Um, I mean, they've got a few t- difficult games um head against Liverpool and Arsenal so hopefully that they'll, they'll they will drop points um yeah you can't guarantee that Chelsea are going to continue to pick up points the way they have done now I've done, I've got the Chelsea Hull game on and Hull are just having a player stretch it off seriously stretched they've got boards for him they're not moving him um he's not being thrown around he's not moving under his own steam they are lifting him it looks a really serious injury he had a clash with Gary Cahill so um that's particularly unpleasant to see. So their game isn't going to finish at whatever time, because um, this has got to be a good five, six minutes already, and the player's still on the pitch. Um, yeah, I'll ask you. Sorry, Greg. Just to say, yeah, the, the, the draws are a nuisance, but they weren't the end of the world. I mean, we had we had notable absences in the first half of the season, so you know, no absences that could have made turn those draws into wins. So you know. It, nuisance we're not the end of the world whilst before we throw man city in the bin can i just uh give you a little anecdote um often because i i hear people complaining about the commentating um on the english matches and i i I often i often watch on tv here rather than um watching through mobdro or something like that so i watch it on tv with a portuguese commentary and honestly yesterday I was so sick of the name of Gabriel Jesus because he didn't come on until the 80th minute. <laughs> he did bloody well when he did come on. And he was always my concern, actually, with yesterday's team. You boy, young, eager to make an impression. Would the rest of the team suddenly decide to step it up a little bit yeah, because but, of him? But for but, but 80 minutes, it was non-stop talking about Gabriel Jesus, a player who wasn't even on the bloody pitch. And... I, first of all, I was so gutted when he scored, and I was so elated when I saw the offside flag go up. That's the last thing I need living in Brazil with Gabriel Jesus scoring pretty much with his first touch against Tottenham. It would have been so spurs. It would have been so so spursy if that if that goal had been allowed. Um, yeah. Right, let's just move on very briefly. Um, Wickham, we've got Wickham next in the FA Cup. Um, I'm not going to ask for, for, for predictions unless you want to predict a scoreline, score but I presume we all think that we should be able to dispatch them in 90 minutes at White Hart Lane. You'd be a bit bloody embarrassed if they don't. Mm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which team 
Pochettino goes for. Um, I suspect if if there's a doubt over T- Toby, then he won't risk him um, with a Sunderland match a few days after that. Um, I'd expect I'd expect him to play Vimmer and Carter Vickers. Um, right, what else have we got? Um, quick note: so um, ASD, the host of the Echoes of Glory podcast, um, uh, he's got some good news. Um, end of last week, coming on Friday, um, he became a father. Um, Wednesday. Wednesday, even. Yeah. Wednesday, Friday. Mm. Um, <laughs> he. Um, him and his wife Emma have got a new baby daughter Zoe. So a big congratulations to them. Um, oh, that's CSD then. It's what? Sorry. So now he has CSD and ZSD. ZSD, yeah. <laughs> um, no, because we're English, not American. Greg, play nicely. It's just as well he called his daughter Zoe and not I don't know Lucy. Um, I'm sure that was a consideration. <laughs> Although not everybody considers their, you know, the longer term um, implications. My husband wanted to call, after I'd said my daughter would be called uh, Amelia Ruth, he said, well, he, she should have my mother's middle name as well. And I said, yeah, but your mother's name is Sheila, so that would make Millie's first name, uh, her letters would be A-R-S. You can fuck right off. So some people consider that wider aspect and some people don't. Right, uh, Bex, Spurs ladies, she's got any yeah. updates? Well, it's been a bit disappointing for the girls the last couple of days, uh, last couple of weeks. They've had two games cancelled um, because of frozen pitches, which is a further example of how uh, the, the pitch, kind of pitches that the ladies play on when they get affected by a little bit of cold in this country and then the pitches are unable to be played on. Stuff that you expect from um, non-league teams. And in fact, their pitches aren't even as good as a non-league team, in all fairness. So they had a match postponed uh, last weekend against Charlton, which was a killer because that would have been a top of the table clash and that would have been really good to look forward to. And then midweek, they had their Boo Avenue um, Women's Cup semi-final was postponed as well through um, a frozen pitch. So that was really disappointed. So the first game would have been at Cheston. Last week would have been at Thurrock. So it's that whole area of the country that was affected. There was no scheduled first team game for today. Um, they've got a, their girls next play at Cardiff. Sorry, they play Cardiff at Chesson, and that's next Sunday. Um, again, that's a league match. It should be quite good. Hoping so. Hoping that the girls have remembered how to play, bearing in mind they've been um, off for so long. So instead of any first team game today, the development squad were over at Pompey. And if I hadn't been doing the podcast, I'd have gone to watch them. Although maybe not because it's bloody freezing here, um, and managed to run out 4-0 winners at, their, at Pompey again. Um, Pompey really aren't that good. So that's all good fun. So we shall see how they get on. I've got no dates as yet for the reschedule, for the postponed games to be um, rescheduled, but I shall let you know. And a quick, quick question for, for me. In fact, it was something we discussed um, off air. Um, I asked you about... Um, the, the 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 development squad and the fact that Kelly Blanchflower was playing today and I and I was surprised at that because as far as I knew she was a regular in the first team but how how does the development? Um, I don't I I think because I've seen Tony and Wayne play sometimes for the development side so I think it's a question of uh, Karen Hills mixing it up a little bit and sending the girls to play with different squads of players um, certainly when I saw them play the development team at Pompey when in September I think it was September October 
They had Nikita Winner and Wendy Martin playing, and they, for me, are first-team regulars. So I think it's more a question of just mixing it up a little bit, or if they players have been maybe not at their best, just need a little bit of extra game time, Karen Hills will let them play with the development squad. And to be fair, the development squad of the first team, they are pretty interchangeable anyway, it seems. If you look at the names, you're like, oh, well, she's played in the first team. So I think it's very much a question of the development squad is very much that. It's not a question of like a reserves. It's very much a they intend to develop them up to the first team. And the best way to do that sometimes is just to mix the teams up a little bit. Cool. OK, um, I've got a few more questions, which I'll come to in a minute. Just a few other things to go through. Um, so last Thursday, I was at Hotspur Way um, and not for the first time um, Hotspur Way um, and met some of the players and had photos taken and, and all of that, all of that stuff. Um, what was interesting about the visit was every time you been there a couple of times with, with, with you, Bex, in the context of, of Spurs ladies. But every time I go there, there's, there's always little snippets that, that you, of information that you come back with, you, you learn. So it's quite interesting that one of the things that we were told also away is that um, the every first team player has a locker assigned to them. Um, and everybody who's, for example, in the academy, um, they 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 kept separate and they don't have they, they don't have lockers and they aspire to if you like if they if they get a locker it means they've made the first team, which is fine. Um, what was really interesting was the fact that Harry Winks, who is part of the first team pretty much this season, you know he started a few games, he's come off the bench. He doesn't have a locker assigned to him because he's still part of the academy. Even though he trains with the first team, he's still considered an academy player which I found quite fascinating. Um, the other thing that was quite interesting was that the person that just, the two people that determine whether play, a player has his own locker are Pochettino and Hugo. Um, and it was said that Hugo, even though he sort of comes across as very quiet on the field, behind the scenes, he's very instrumental in terms of a lot of the thinking and decision making. Um, and him and Pochettino work very closely together, which is quite interesting. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, if either of you, if you ever watch um, on TV and you're, you're looking at Pochettino and he's drinking his water, he's always got a small water bottle. Um, and the players always, when they when they're training, they have tiny little water bottles. Either of you know why or the reason why that might be? Nope. Nope. Um, apparently, to do with con contamination. So the idea is that if you have a big water bottle and you leave it, somebody else might have a might might um, pick up the wrong bottle and pass on germs and that sort of thing. So the idea is so it's cross infection control, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a small bottle, drink, finish, done. Open a small 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 bottle bottle of water. What else? What else? Um, Jan was. In the, he wasn't training with the players, but he was in the gym and he was doing various exercises. So that was encouraging to see him um, doing that. Um, any other interesting thing was just about um, quite amusing. So Ben Davis has got um, property that um, he, like most people, he's, he's got a mortgage, um, but it's only a ten-year mortgage because you know, he's a footballer and a lot. 
a, a, a loss of money. Um, the flat directly above him, um, Janssen lives in, but he's only renting out. Now, I don't know whether that's reading too much into it, whether that's a short-term thing or, or whether that's To be fair, I think yeah. many players from overseas would do that kind of stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if Lamella has only just bought a property, given the fact that his first season was so hit and miss. That seems um, a sensible move yeah. by any of them to carry out, in all fairness. Okay. Other thing was a new stadium. Um, I don't know if either of you saw um, there was an announcement also on Thursday about the new stadium um, and some of the um, some of the catering facilities and some of the lounges and hospitality suites and, and so forth that the club have announced. Did either of you see that? Yeah, I, I, I saw a post on Facebook about the, the glass glass tunnel club. Hmm. Did you not see the VR yeah. clips? Again? Where they they had some um, they had Harry Winks, Ericsson and Onoma. So Winks put on this VR thing headset to um, to have a look at the new ground, and he went, "Oh, hello!" And Ericsson said, "Why are you looking at her?" Which just was really nice to see that bit of interaction <laughs> amongst the squad. It was really clever. No, I there's also um, there's an article in Guardian um, all about a cheese room. Um, so fans in expensive seats at the new White Hart Lane will head to a cheese room to choose their specially sourced fromage and enjoy a one-way view of the players in the tunnel. What yeah, do we all make? <laughs> that's what I was talking about. What, what do we all make of of um, a cheese room? Is this Hugo's influence? Interesting. Well, it's, it's also very expensive, but of course that won't affect you, Javid, because you go and see them whenever you want. It probably... <laughs> it, it, would, it, would, it would affect me. Um, I, I, I don't have that sort, sort of money, but I, I quite like the idea of... Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that... that football, like everything in life, it, evol- it evolves, and, and I think that, um, you know, with football... If you're looking at catering, you know, we normally, things like cup of tea, bovril, pie, pints, that's what you associate with football, and that's fine. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with introducing um, other, is cuisine the right word? Other food, other options? It might not be everybody's cup, cup of tea, but, you know. From the man that's dripped like a septic tank that he can't get a smoked salmon bagel in the... Um... Park Lane. Then seriously, you think this cheese thing's going to kick on? Because I'm really not seeing that at all. I don't know. I, 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 I think it will. I think it. Well, it, it's for the it's for, for for the people that are willing to pay stupid amounts of money. So, if they're willing to pay stupid amounts of money, I'm sure they're. they're sort then all of they're doing is make, making sure that the rest of us can't go. Well, the the, the thing is that expense accounts, people who have expense accounts, they don't worry about what they spend. So it's a viable target for Tottenham, I think. You know, grab the money, grab the corporate money in that instance. That's not a sellout, that's just common sense. If people are, if companies are foolish enough to pay extortionate sums for things like that, let them. And that's fine, so long as it stays at that level and it's not expected to drift down to the terraces. 
Oh, I don't think that will happen. Well, you know, smoke salmon bagels in the South Stand, seriously. That, well, that, you know, it's, mm. Uh, mm, it's, it's, it's a very fine line, Greg, isn't it? Yeah, but you forget that Javid is very important. I'm not rising to debate. Right. Um, the other thing about... Damn you. You, you forget that Javid's so important to the club now. I mean, training <laughs> sessions, they look around, they say, where's Javid? Isn't he coming this week? Um, Irony. I love it. Go on, yeah. Jav, defend yourself, my friend. It's only because he's such a good mate that we can do I'm, this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move it on. So um, I've, got a, I've got a little rumour. I don't know if this is... I've got from a good source, a reliable source has told me, and I think some of this is probably exclusive and some of it's new, but I suspect some of it you might have, listeners might have heard elsewhere. Um, So let me just, I've been told by a source that... ITK? ITK, um, no, not ITK. that somebody reasonably senior in the construction firm um, has said, and this this is sort of it was there was a there was a report the other week or week before last um, on social media on LinkedIn about how the fact that we were ahead of s- schedule and this sort of actually um, states quite the opposite. Um, so my source tell, tells me that he has it on good authority that the stadium project is actually behind schedule. Issues with the internal infrastructure and build of the final stand. The reason we haven't agreed on Wembley yet is Levy doesn't know if it will be one season or two. Um, they go on to say that they've got connections to the construction company management. Um, it's four people from Mace Como, um, the other principal contractor. Um, this source of mine had dinner with them on Thursday evening, and whilst they completed works in and near. Um, his office, my source's office, um, some of the design work into the project, he goes on to say, some of the design work um, going into the stadium will make it fantastic. Also, we will own the stadium outright on day one. Um, I suspect some of this is common knowledge. Part of the business plan for having it for NFL use is if they can't make it financially viable, it will be sold to the NFL for the London franchise. goes on to say, Enoch are currently trying to incentivise Mace to speed up offering them corporate boxes in the new stadium, bigger bonuses, etc. And he goes on to say, one of the crazy parts of the, of the quote, if the project fails plan and the stadium wasn't viable once built, is we have rights on Aberland in the borough um, and it would effectively set, sell up and rent the new White Hart Lane and build a smaller one. Now, how much of that is true, I don't know, but um, you heard it here first, if any of it is true. Um, See, most of that sounds perfectly sensible, despite the rumours surfacing just after Christmas to say that the building work was ahead of schedule, three months ahead of schedule, and that they would move in. There was a possibility that we could play a new stadium next season without the cop stand. So effectively, where they were still, or sorry, without playing where the north stand is currently. No, the pack stand is currently. So they would leave that and demolish it through the season and rebuild it continually through the season. Mm. Which So if they're behind, that all sounds perfectly fine. The thing that concerns me is the end of that that says they'll sell it, which I don't think they will, and build somewhere else. But that's going to put everything back by years. If you look how long it's taken us to get planning permission for the current site. 
That yeah, might. It, sorry, Greg. Sorry. I was just going to ask. Uh, you mentioned uh, the reason, maybe because they don't know if they'll be at Wembley for one year or two years. Yeah. If they were there for two years, would that impact on Chelsea at all? Because they'll probably want to borrow, won't, won't they? They'll probably want Chelsea, to Chelsea, I thought, already have permission. Well, I'm thinking if we're there for two years, it's difficult for them to throw us out and then let Chelsea in for a year. Because can't Chelsea play at Battersea Park? Or somewhere like that? You know, some playing fields. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, who knows? We, it, whatever happens, we, the fact that we haven't sort of committed to Wembley... As such we might end up at MK Dons. Um, their stadium isn't too bad um, as a stadium. The capacity is what about thirty thousand. That's only one thousand less than the reduced White Hart Lane at the moment. So I know it's a ball ball lake to get to for most, but um, but, but I heard that Levy had until March to make a decision about Wembley. Whether again whether that's true or not is anybody's guess. But that was I, something that I read. Yeah, I think with the the last part of that, even if it sounds a bit far fetched, if it's true, it just goes to show it's, it, that that's a contingency plan, and Levy's got is has got all bases covered, and I think that's that's the thing that that we we can say about our chairman. He he doesn't um, he's a shrewd operator, um, and you just have to look at his signings and and how he can, can constructs transfer deals. Um, one final bit on that, um, my source tells me that. Um, a comedy moment around the building project. Um, Mace have a dress down Friday for their staff. It also happens to be the, de- the day that Levy pops in for project updates. Um, and as such, Levy made them all wear suits, suit and tie whenever he's there. Um, I don't know if that's true, but um, that's... Uh, uh, but you ever seen Levy in a pair of jeans? No. And I don't know, like a black Sabbath t-shirt? Levy and Levi's. Really is- I love Not that. his Levy thing. Oh, Pod name. Well done. Um, but he's he doesn't appear the kind of person who would appreciate... He doesn't go to work dressed in anything other than a suit, I suspect. Therefore, he doesn't appreciate anybody else not doing the same. I think I, he was born that way. He just popped out in a suit. Maybe. Can you imagine Levy as a small child? I can't. <laughs> Um, Not right. something I've considered, in all truth. It's a bit weird, but anyway. Okay, uh, before we wrap this up, a few more questions. Um, memories of the, of the lane. Um, we at the beginning of the season, um, Ali Hassan um, kindly wrote an article um, about what um, it meant to him, um, White Hart Lane meant to him, um, as, as a curtain draw, draws on possibly final season at the lane. Maybe not. Um, so if anybody wants to write an article for the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast website, um, a 1,000-1,500 word article on what it means to them, White Hart Lane, it could be some anecdotes, it could be some memories, um, it's you know it's completely subjective, it's a personal article, then please get writing. Um, you can send send me your article on, on the usual channels um, and um, we will we'll look to publish it. Um, uh what else um the youtube channel um we've got a youtube channel as i keep saying um tom what's the family podcast you can search for us on youtube and you find all the podcasts series one two and three um and also um 
fans videos um, posted as well from matches um, and if you want to send us questions you can do so via Twitter the handle is at THF podcast you can do so via the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast Facebook page and you can also email us at via Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast.com right three questions Ed Brad did the smoked salmon bagels ever return to the Lane's catering menu not in the Park Lane that's all I shall say on that um, John Steggles can we keep the players and manager together under the increasing media gaze and supposed interest from the Spanish giants and the mega money being thrown about by the Chinese Super League I would say yes um, players I think they have more, more kudos in being integral to the creation of a successful club I mean some of them obviously they just follow the money some of them will follow much to China. Um, not our players, I'm pretty sure of that. But our lot, they're actually, they're at the beginning or partway through now. They're actually partway through making, they're creating a successful club. And that, that's a really cool thing for somebody to say that they were part of because they, they have a real, a real purpose in that. Um, I would say, though, that we do need to win some silverware because... For example, Ivy needs to see her dad's medals, not just videos of his goals. As for Pochettino, um, well, he knows he's instrumental in creating this something special. Um, he'll receive a lot of respect and acclaim for, for anything that he, 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 any success that he brings to Tottenham. He's already, he's already intonated that he, he would like to be like a, a Fergie figure, maybe for us. Maybe not so long. Um, although I'm sure if he keeps going, doing well, we'd all like that. Um, but I can't see him jumping ship to an already successful club like Real, Barca, Barca or, or even Man U. And I definitely can't see him going to to China. I was surprised when, when um, Paulinho went, actually, even though he'd left Tottenham. I was surprised that he went to China because I thought that would be international uh, suicide, you know, career for a... Um, it, suicide for his international career, but he's actually been called back into the, the Brazil squad. I think that's something players have to think about as well. But uh, I think a long-term, a long-term ambition of Poch is to to become manager of Argentina, and by doing well at Tottenham, he doesn't need to go to these other clubs. By doing well at Tottenham, that will give him the the, the kudos and the, the respect, etc., to do so. Yeah, I, I'm not bothered about the Chinese league at all because we have international players or players that want to play for their international side. And Brazil apart, I think if you look at most of the European countries, their players stay in Europe. They don't often go abroad uh, to China or America or the States. Anyway, they, don't, they, they just stay where they are. And this is another example. I think going to the Chinese Super League, yeah, all very well and good. You get a ton of cash but only if you're not going to be wanting to play at international level. Mm. Uh, because you're out of sight, out of mind. And English football has always done that. Very few players we've had play abroad have come, stayed in the national team. Why would you go for a Chinese when you can have steak at home? Um, I think that... I think that... Uh, yeah, if you're at the tail end of your career, fine. Um... Yeah, but equally, there's more to life than just cash, is there not? Um, there is, and arguably, with with players these days, they earn so much that what does 
what is an extra few million here or there actually what difference does it does it make um but i think in terms of if it's if you're right at the end of your career and you've pretty much won everything and you want that one little last challenge then then you arguably you could go to china or you could go to the mls or or wherever it may be it used to be a few years ago the j league in in japan um lineker i think set the ball, ball rolling um was one of the first to go go there um but if you're, I don't know, if you're Deli Ali or Harry Kane, um, I think it's just suicide. It's, it's just f- footballing suicide to, to, to go there. Um, it's, you know, if you're a good, promising player and, and you go and play in those leagues, you, as you say, Bex summed up perfectly, out, out of sight and out of mind. Um, and I don't think it would help, for example, with your England career or your international career if you're playing for another team. So... Uh, I don't see it being an issue. Saying that, it was very strange that Oscar went because he's still fairly young. Um, but uh... but that was just for cash. How fucking greedy do footballers have to get? No, 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 no. I have to defend him on that. The thing is that with Brazilian footballers, a lot of them come from very poor gra- backgrounds and they're having to support a whole extended family. Oh, hang on, I'm sorry. He was getting how much at Chelsea? Upwards of 150k a week. Probably. Yes, you don't under, you don't understand what it's like over here. Okay, there are but people, how how far does that? 150 UK a week. How far does that go in Brazil? It's going to go a long way, I would imagine. It's going to go a long so, way, but but the thing is that, that with, with players, Brazilian players, they have incredible pressure from their families. I mean, that's why um, Bernard, Bernardo, he went he went to um, Ukraine. He went to Ukraine. Yes, for the money. But the thing is, they have so much pressure from the extended family at home. Um, pressure that is difficult for, for people who don't, who don't live in Brazil to understand. They, they, there's so much um, emotional pressure, etc. If it had just been him, yeah, he probably wouldn't have gone. And I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it's what's happening. Mm. South American players, they get incredible family pressures to support the whole family. It's not just the, the mum, dad, the two kids. It's the aunts, the uncles, it's, it's all okay. the other... Th- th- this is the Adebayor argument. Adebayor said that he needs um, shitloads of money. I'm not I'm not knocking what you're saying, Greg. I'm just... Adebayor said that he needed to earn shitloads of money because he had all these charities in Africa um, and he had to um, subsidise those and he had family and whatnot and whatever. Even, I think... Dare I say, Craig Bellamy at one point was 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 saying that he had all these charities, charities, and he needed he needed to earn a certain amount of money to keep them going. Yeah. Um, I, I, I to speak from the Brazil point of view or the South yeah. American. I get I that, Greg. It, I'm not having a, I'm not giving yeah. you a hard time. I completely understand where you're coming from. But it's that whole that the focus is not on the quality of football. This is your job. This is something that you're supposed to be good at. And Oscar is still young enough to make a big impact, I think, on a bigger scale. And yet he's jacked it all in to go and get some cash. Mm. Well, he can't be short of a bob or two anyway. It just seems a little bit, it's a bit chucking your career away. I I agree. I mean, I was surprised when he went. And yes, there is a, it does stink of being a mercenary. But... There is a reason behind it for these South American players who are from the poorer places. But also with China, China, they are, um, they want to, to grow their, their 
game from grassroots as well. They're investing heavily on grassroots players. They, they've already reduced the number of foreign players that can play. They're going to do it again. Yeah. So the opportunities aren't going to be there either. Okay, let's finish off with a glum question. Ed Brass, what would the panel see as progress this season? Um, what would the panel see as failure? Sorry, it's not glum, but the, the failure bit is. Um, all right. So I was I was thinking I was actually thinking about this on, on or a separate um, thought was going through my mind earlier this morning um, about Spurs and where we would finish in the table. Now I've 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 said consistently all season that we're going to win the league, so I can't step down from that. But if I step back a bit from my prediction and try to try to assess it given that we are six points possibly nine if Chelsea win today behind them and 16 matches left in the league um, can we catch Chelsea that that's a question that I'm asking myself I think yes at this point we still can um, but I think it will, will be difficult I think we've got to be honest but we're more than capable of doing that and they're more, more than capable of dro- dro- dropping points I still think we're the best just like last season I still think that we are the best placed team to you just have to look at our defence, our defensive record, um, to, to, to cause Chelsea a problem and 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 finish above them. Um, Liverpool showed yesterday, if and they showed it on countless occasions this season, but yesterday they showed it for the first time at home and against a, a team who we hammered five 0 Okay, different manager. Um, they've got some new personnel in. Tom Tom Carroll. Um, we didn't, didn't mention him, um, who's left in this window. Um, but even so, Swansea, Liverpool shouldn't be losing at home to Swansea yet that they have. So they've got defensive frailties um, and so City, I can't see either of them challenging for the league. So I, I still think we can. Now, if we fell short, um, I think somewhere in the top three, I think I would be, for, for me, I would be, I think if we finish outside of the top four, that would be failure in my eyes. And I think even if we finish fourth, I'd be pretty disappointed. I think anywhere in the top three is would be okay um, in my eyes. And I think the team that finishes above Chelsea will win the league. And if we can finish above Chelsea, we will win the league. Um, if we don't finish above them, then it's going to be like last season. It'll either be second or third. And I hate to say it, but I suspect Arsenal will be will be very close by. Um, and uh, that's that's how I feel about the situation. Um, Bex? Um, I, second last, uh, third last season, having been second for so long, I think we need to maintain that. An improvement would be great, but you know, second would be fantastic. Winning the league would be best. But I do think we need to get something from this. We need to have something to show. We need to have this squad of players is the strongest we've had in a bloody long time. And it would be a crying shame if they don't walk away with something. So silverware at some level. I, th- I think we're already seeing progress anyway. I mean, we're drawing or winning matches we would have lost before. Um, as for failure... Uh, if the wheels came off and bounced, we bounced down the table into a non-European place, that would be an absolute tragedy. Uh, I don't think that will happen. 
Um, Europa League instead of Champions League would be disappointing, but not necessarily failure. Um, although, using last last season as a template, you know, we, we, we really we, we should stay in the Champions League places, and we we must, if possible, finish above the Gooners. I think that the, the, the team owes owe the fans that. I don't think we'll actually. I mean, I want us to catch Chelsea and beat them, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're just in a major scrap for mm. second place now. We've got a good chance of that. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they fall, it's for them, it's for them to lose. If they drop points, then as long as we're, we're there and in the mix and ready to pounce, then, then who knows? Um, like I said, I think we're, we're, we're the. In my eyes, I think we're the team most capable of challenging them. Uh, uh, by the way, Greg, I, I agree. In terms of pro- progress this, this this season, yeah, we we have already made progress, and we're continuing to do that. I just think, in terms of benchmarks and league standings, um, for me, we've got to be somewhere in the top three minimum. Um, and I think finishing outside of the top four would be very disappointing. Fourth, I wouldn't be pleased. If I'm honest, but um, that's fine. You know that that just if 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 I'm thinking along those lines, and if other people elsewhere fans are thinking along those lines, it just shows how far we've come as a club and and how much our expectations have, have been raised, um, which can only be a good thing. Um, the thing is, right. failure failure is a very strong word as well. Um, I think we could be disappointed. We don't want to brand bandy this word failure around too much because that will demoralise players okay, um, right the next podcast will be a week Sunday day after the Wickham match um, as ever Bex thank you you're very welcome thank you very much thank you Greg for stepping in particularly at short notice oh, no problem mate you're, you're, you're welcome it's a pleasure to speak to both of you and as ever the future's bright the future's lily white good night in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her.